Hello, everybody. Welcome to Jumping in Elevator, the podcast where I, Mike, from the YouTube channel Mike's Mike, talk about the things that you want to know more about, but you can't bother researching them yourself. Today, I have a plethora of topics to talk about. There is so much to discuss. But first of all, special welcome to Chainsaw, one of my top tier patrons. You know what, Chainsaw? I hope all your devices that require batteries, the batteries are fully charged. Nothing worse than using the remote for the TV and the batteries are dead. Like this, in this economy, so unnecessary. It's a targeted attack. When that happens to me, I get personally offended. So I hope that's not happening to you. I hope your batteries are charged. And to everyone else, I hope you're doing fantastic. Um, yeah, we are in fact three months into the year and we don't need to talk about that anymore. Again, you know how I feel about months. They have no value to me. I appreciate days. I appreciate years, months. Can honestly choke. Okay, great. All right, so the list of topics today... We're going kind of all over the place. I want to talk about the Varsity Blues documentary that was on Netflix. Um, I want to talk about Drag Race UK season two because they announced the winner. But obviously I'll give a spoiler warning before I talk about that. I'll probably do it at the end of the episode so you don't need to stress. I will also be talking about my bad haircut and then a couple of other things as well. I think we might actually start with my bad haircut because... It really was the defining moment for me this week, potentially this month, even though I don't appreciate months, okay? Also, I'm wearing a completely different outfit today. I've kind of made it a thing that I wear uh, the podcasting jacket and hat every week, but I bought this new jacket and I'm kind of serving. Like, I'm serving a lot. It's a la carte. It's practically the buffet at this point. You arrived at this video and you thought, I thought buffets were cancelled because of the panoramic. Well, no, because I'm serving meals. Plural. Meals, not meal. Let me ask the audience, okay? Let me know in the comments on the YouTube video what do you think about my new jumper. It's a dip-dye pink and white jacket. Pink and white, isn't that a Frank Ocean song? Potentially, right? And it's so comfortable. It really is the moment. And I'm also wearing a pink hat to match. And the lights behind me are pink. So pink is the color of the day. Also, my cheeks are very red today because I'm hot in this jacket, but I refuse to take it off because I'm suffering for fashion. Great. Let me talk about this haircut situation. Let me set the scene, first of all. I wanted to do something new to my hair, okay? I do. I go through this thing every few months where I want to change my look, like change my image, but I don't want to get a tattoo because I can't make a decision. And... Like anything else, I can't really think of something that would really work for me. Like I could start wearing a lot of jewelry, but then I hate a lot of jewelry and the jewelry that I like is really expensive. And I'm like, I cannot justify spending that much money on a piece of silver or whatever it is, right? So then I was like, okay, hair, love that. And I was researching and I found some really cool looks. I found one on TikTok that I posted on my Instagram story and it was this guy had bleached the front of his hair and then around the hairline and then he had put a toner in there to make it like pink so it was like brown hair into pink sorry brown hair into blonde into pink um if you know what I'm talking about you know otherwise it might be a little bit weird based on what I'm saying but anyway that looks really cool and it would have been a bit of a stretch to start with because I have that Italian hair which is so thick you could literally use a strand of my hair to pick a lock, right? That's how, it's so unnecessarily strong. Like, for what? 
why is my hair so strong? Science, tell me. Anyway, okay, so I had in my head that I wanted to do that, but I hadn't had a haircut in a while, so the sides were getting really ratty. Um, there's a thing with, like, men's hair. When you have, I guess anyone's hair, if it's short enough, um, when it's really short, it looks clean. And when it's long, it looks like it's supposed to be long. But when it's between short and long, you have, like, these ratty bits everywhere. And I just look, I was looking crusty, right? So I thought, okay, I'm going to clean up the sides and get a trim at the top, cut the dead bits off, and then I'm going to go get the hair dyed, okay? I had a whole plan all planned out. Then I think it was like Monday or Tuesday, I was having the crustiest day. I can't really remember what happened. I think shit was going wrong. A lot of shit went wrong this week. I missed an appointment with the bank, okay? Like that level of shit going wrong. Anyway, so I was like, mm, maybe I will go get a haircut and it'll give me that sense of achievement. Because one of the things I like about getting my hair cut is that I don't have to do anything and yet I feel like I achieved something because it's on my to-do list and putting that little tick in that box, it's everything that you need, right? When I wake up, sometimes I write my to-do list and it involves eat breakfast. I put eat breakfast on there just so I can tick that box. Nothing more satisfying than ticking the box. Am I right? Check. Checkmate, maybe. Actually, I haven't written a list in a couple of days post haircut there's only two timelines before haircut and after haircut anyway so I usually go to like there's three hairdressers that I frequent but I thought you know what no I'm gonna mix it up I'm gonna go to this one that I keep walking past and it looks new and it looks nice and it's always busy so I thought all right let's try this out I'm just getting a trim so it's gonna be fine I get in there Mr. Sir is like smirking at me already. And I'm like, what the fuck are you laughing at? I mean, I did kind of look crusty, but like nothing laughable. I was just looking boring. I was wearing like sport clothes, bye. Anyway, so I go up to the counter and he's like, what are you after? Do you want to fill it in on this iPad? So I have the iPad thing for the contact tracing and all that shit. So I put it in there for a standard cut and immediately I was suspicious because I put my first name in and my last name in and it had registered that I'd been there before. And I was like, mm, that's weird. And then I asked the guy and I was like, I don't know how my details are in here. It's like, oh, there are other locations. And I was like, okay, T. But then the price of the haircut was a lot less than any other place that I'd been to in Melbourne. So immediately suspicious. Like, why is it cheap? Okay. I agree that a lot of things are overpriced, but when it comes to things like haircuts, and like really high quality clothes. I don't mind paying a little bit more if it's good, right? Okay, so this one was cheap and I was suspicious. So there was no waiting time. He was like, okay, we're good to go, bad sign. If no one else is waiting at that particular time, something's up. There's always a line except when I was there. And I was like, maybe it's this particular hairdresser. So I was already nervous. I'm gonna, how have I already spoken about this for like five minutes? I'm gonna keep going anyway. So I sit in the chair. And he's like, all right, Mike. Okay, I didn't give you clearance to call me Mike. I wrote Michael in the form, unless he watched the YouTube videos. But then I said in the YouTube video that I hated the haircut. Now he needs to deal with his crimes against my hair, okay? So he said, what would you like today? And I said, you know what, bestie? I would love a number three on the sides, faded up in a box cut and a trim up the top. Right, I gave him specific instructions. I use those instructions wherever I go for my haircut and it's usually fine. This man had the audacity to laugh. He was just like, <laughs> okay. I'm just thinking, what the fuck are you laughing at? 
something suspicious is going down. Where are the cameras? Where is Ashton Kutcher? Because some shit went down that day. Okay. So then he's laughing and I'm like, haha, nervous, but okay. And I'm like strapped into the chair and I've got the neck thing on. I'm like, oh, well, that's it then. Well, let's buddy go send it. He gets out the clippers and it just goes at the top of my head on the side where it's usually long. So like it usually fades up and then I can like actually style the side because I like to do a little bit of like 1930s, 1940s, like slicked back and then like rough up the top, right? He just fucking went to town and I'm just sitting there like, well, it's over. We lost. Pack it up. Let's go home. I just got eliminated. And then I just kind of resigned myself to it. And I was like, there's nothing I can do now because he's fucked it up. So then he fucked up the sides and the back and then the top. Oh my God. He said, oh, your hairline goes like this. Let me just do the opposite thing for that. He basically gave me a prison haircut. It's like I arrived at prison and they got the razor and went up my head. And for what? Did he get the clicks, views and engagement? Oh, and then like he was finished and it looked like garbage and he could see that I was pissed off and he was like laughing and he was like, okay, done. And I'm like, bitch, I will take you out. Oh my God. I was so mad. Anyway. I didn't say anything, of course. The whole time I was like, hee hee, thank you. Oh my God, thank you. looks so good. Oh, thank you. And then I paid and I left and I ran out. And then I texted my sister, like, I got a bad haircut. I want to die. So that's that. I've been wearing hats ever since. Every time I go outside, my hair grows pretty fast. So I think in about a week since the haircut, then I should start like being able to style it properly, which is like a few days away from now. So you will not see me without a hat until then. Fantastic. You actually got to witness a new hat today, the pink hat. Well, it's not new, but it's new to this particular medium. The next thing I wanted to talk about was Operation Varsity Blues, which is the new Netflix documentary. Well, it's not really a documentary. It kind of is. It's one of those ones where it's like documentary, but it's also kind of acted out in a way that's more dramatic than what actually happened. When I think of documentary, I just think of docuseries. The girls were really uploading videos on YouTube and saying this is a docuseries when it was literally just a 40-minute vlog. And we ate it up. We are just as responsible. Anyway, so this documentary was about the college admissions scandal. You may have heard names like Laurie Laurie Lachlan. Is that how you say it? Laurie Lachlan, Olivia Jade, right? Rick Singer. And I knew a bit about it because of the Olivia Jade side of things. She's like a YouTuber and she was in the middle of it. I'll explain how she was involved in a second. But I got so angry watching this, especially in the first 20 minutes or so. I was fucking livid, okay? I would say one of the things that I am most passionate about is accessible education, right? Especially in terms of... um, people who kind of squander their opportunities in the face of people who don't have those same opportunities. And this was a perfect example of that because what was happening was this Rick Singer guy, this is my understanding anyway, I might be slightly off, but overall I think I'll I'll get it right. There's like two ways to get into colleges in America. You either get high enough grades and you get into that really small selection percentage or you pay an obscene amount of money to the college as like donations. And that puts you on like a list to get 
a second um, opinion kind of thing. Like you get another look in at an admission and apparently people donate like $25 million, like a family will donate $25 million to get their child into the college, which is fucked. Anyway, so then Rick Singer, what he was doing was he had like a side door method, which people would donate to his kind of like a shell company. It's like a shell charity. And then his charity would donate to really niche sports at the colleges. And he's kind of bribing the coaches of these niche sports to accept people that he's putting forth as athletes, right? So the example with Olivia Jade, she was not a rower, but then they were kind of selling her to the university she ended up going to. I think it was one of those ones in LA. I can't remember. That's really annoying me. Which is apparently a really hard college to get into. I'm not fully across the admission numbers, but apparently it's quite a strict one to get into. So she got in under the guise of saying she is a professional rower. Not really professional. Like she's a college level rower, right? Student athlete rower, but she's not. And there was this whole meme about her taking these fake photos of her on a rowing machine to prove that she knows how to row. Anyway, so that's how they would get in. They'd pretend that the kids were good athletes and then they'd go under that sport to get into the college. And this man, Rick Singer, had been doing it for ages and he'd worked with like hundreds. He said that he'd done it 700 times or something before. And each time the families are paying him between $100,000 and $700,000 to get their child through this side door into the university. It pissed me off. There's a few reasons why it pissed me off. First reason, and this is kind of like a blanket thing about college in the United States. It seems like an enterprise. It seems it's not so much about getting the degree to actually use the degree. It's more a case of having a stamp of approval from society that you are good enough to do whatever you want to do in your life, which is such fucking bullshit. That pisses me off, okay? These students are like running themselves into the ground because they don't want to go to community college or these lesser colleges because there's prestige associated with going to like Ivy League schools and all that kind of shit. And these, this documentary was talking about how the prestige associated with um, these colleges was kind of just based off nothing. Like it was a score that was given by, I think it was a newspaper way back and just kind of kept going. And then the prestige ranking kind of became its own thing. But then how was it really measured, right? And it made me think, why did I pick the university that I went to? So there's a few universities in Western Australia and I went to the University of Western Australia. I also applied for Curtin University, which is like, if you're tiering them based off reputation or prestige, I'm doing the bunny ears if you're listening to this, it's all bullshit, right? I picked the university that I ended up going to because I looked specifically into the course that I wanted to do, which was mechanical engineering. And I looked online and I saw the rankings for that specific course in Australia. And then this university happened to do really well at that. So I can understand people prioritizing particular universities for a specific course. But if they're just picking universities because of the name that comes with it, that's fucked up. 
But it's like, it's not the fault of the student. That's just how it works, right? And I'd be doing the same shit. Like if I went to school in the States and then I graduated and I was applying for colleges, I would absolutely be applying for the best ones. Because like, even if you agree with what I'm saying, if you're in that position, you're not going to not apply for the best one. Again, I'm doing the bunny ears in the air. But then what defines that it's the best one? The prestige or like the actual grades that come from the course? Anyway, okay, so then that brings me to my next point, admissions into these colleges. It's based on scores in standardised tests, right? So we have a similar thing in Australia, it's called the ATAR, but I think in the States it's called SATs, and there's another one, ACTs? (laughs) Something like that, there's two scores or something. And if you think about it, In order to do well in those tests, you have to have the opportunities that put you in a position to do well. So I'm talking about you have to be at school with the resources and the teachers to learn the things that are going to be tested, right? And then on top of that, just assume that everyone's just going to school and they all have the same teacher, which is not feasible. Let's say everyone in America has the same teacher, That's a level playing field. But then if you put on top of it, these like extra things that people can do to get better credit. So like you can take like this particular course outside of school, or you can pay this obscene amount of money to get this admissions tutor that will tutor you specifically for this one part of the test. And apparently these things are like five, $600 an hour to charge. That's what these people charge to get into the colleges. And it's kind of a two-sided conversation because if you have the money, why would you not? If it puts your child in a better position to get these tutors to focus on your child doing well in this particular test to get into the university, why would you not do that? But then it's fucked up because on the other side of it, people don't have that opportunity. Like they may be a really smart kid in the class, but their family can't pay for them to get this special tutor for them to do extra well in the admissions test. But they might understand the concepts really well. So overall, they'd be better placed at the university, but they don't end up getting in because the score is better than this other per- is not better than this other person whose family just had more money. <clears throat> okay, so that's like another problem that I have with it. And then back to the documentary. These families were paying like three, $400,000 to get extra little um, pods in. So one of the pods was saying that the kid had a learning disability so that they would get extra time in the test. That is so fucked up. That is so fucked up. That's like, ugh. but then again, it's like not necessarily the kid's fault. Because the way that they were running this scam was that the parents and this Rick Singer guy would run the test and the kid wouldn't know that they're being tested and deliberately told to fail in some cases. In some cases, they were told to like mess up on purpose, but some of them generally did not know what was going on. And then their results in the test were fabricated to make them look less intelligent than they were so that they would get these extra time allowances. And then another thing that he would do is on the, this is the Rick Singer guy, on the applications into the universities um, or colleges, he would lie about their race. 
This is so fucked up, okay? You have these mega, 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 mega rich white families. Like as white as you can get, as white as this key light that is blaring in my face and making me extremely hot in the face right now. And he's like going on the application forms saying that they're of African-American descent so that they get um, looking at these other programs that are meant for people who actually need it. So fucked up, right? And it just like, it brings me back to just the thought. If you have all these opportunities and you still can't get in, then maybe you're not supposed to get in, right? If your child does all these things and you're doing all these things, like extra things to get your child into university and their scores just aren't high enough, even with all this extra cheating, like you have all these opportunities and you're still cheating, Give it up, pack it up, go home. Mega rich people, ugh, thin ice. You're on thin ice. And when I say mega rich people, I'm not saying like someone who owns a small business and they have a million dollars. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who can donate $50 million to Harvard to get their child into the university. It's just obscene. And like, it just seems like America is just focused on making money from students rather than actually teaching them anything. So I guess the moral of the story is I don't hate rich people. I just, I can't believe the imbalance. And of course the imbalance is everywhere, but it's just, that just really highlighted to me how fucked up the situation is. And then if we come back to Miss Bestie, Olivia Jade, I'm not a hundred percent sure how much she knew about it, but if she was made to like, pose on the rowing machine so that she could pretend that she was in the rowing club, then clearly she knows something, right? And then at the end of the day, what was the consequence? She lost a lot of sponsors, a lot of people unsubscribed. She stopped uploading, so stopped her cash flow essentially. But then now she's back uploading again. Everyone loves her in the comments. I was reading the comments on her latest video and people were talking about it and then the replies were like, she didn't hurt anyone. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh my God, people make mistakes. See, that shit doesn't really fly with me. This is actual like criminal activity. (laughs) (laughs) And then like the parents. So if we excuse the kids, even though they definitely knew something about it. But anyway, let's excuse the kids. These mega rich parents, they ended up serving what? three weeks in prison. Some of them did like a month. Some did like three or four months, but that's it. And they get like a little fine. Do you think a $50,000 fine means anything to these people? If they're like spending $700,000 per child to get them into this university via this side door method? No, they just pay it and then forget about it and move on. And then another thing that pisses me off is that essentially Olivia Jade is better off now in terms of notoriety, because more people know about her than they did before. And as an influencer, ill influencers can fuck right off, even though I technically am one. So what now? I just mean like, it happens all the time. These people get canceled and then everyone's like, ooh, we hate you. And then something else comes out and everyone's like, oh, we love you. And they just forget about the shit that they did before. And you kind of have to look at it on the other side, like, oh, so what's the solution? You just hate someone forever because of this, they should be deplatformed. I don't know. I don't know what 
the solution is for like someone like Olivia Jade, like that's literally how she makes money is YouTube. But then she just, I don't know if she seems sorry about it, but then does she personally have to be sorry about it if she wasn't the main perpetrator? Anyway, it really raised a lot of thoughts. I was sitting on the floor eating my fish and chips and I was just really thinking, right? And then I called my mum and I had an absolute rant and she was like, yes, go off, yes, that part, Uh uh-huh, speak on it, which was great. I love it when that happens. Speaking of eating fish and chips on the floor, um, I've started, I've noticed that what I'm doing is I'm eating the same meal on the same days every week. And I wasn't doing that intentionally. Not to completely shift the topic, but the fish and chips reminded me of that. Like, I will have fish and chips on the same day every week. And then I'll have Nando's on the same day every week. And I'll have whatever, but it repeats. And then I'm like, what is going on here? (laughs) Why do I literally schedule and compartmentalize everything? And I hate that. I wish I just was, like, spontaneous enough to, like, just eat whatever. But in my brain, I'm already like, oh, it is this day you are going to eat this. And for what exactly? It just reminds me of another thing that annoys me about people. I should just call this podcast, I Hate People. It just reminds me of another thing that people just like to compartmentalize each other and then use that compartment to blame each other for shit. So like you can think about star signs, right? Star sign discourse is absolutely harmless until it goes too far. And in my opinion on TikTok, it's getting a little bit far. Like people will be telling stories that are like messed up and illegal things happen in the stories or whatever. And then in the comments, everyone's like, yeah, but are they a cancer rising? Or like, is there moon in the fucking Mercury house or whatever it is that they say? And they're like, yes. And like, oh my God, I knew it. That's such a cancer thing to do. Or like blaming, blaming toxic behaviors on your star sign. Give me a break, please. I'm begging. Give me a break. Have a break, have a kid, cat. And then, like, you can kind of break it down to, like, gender, sexuality, age. The um, millennials versus Gen Z thing. Literally, what are you people doing? What is the purpose of this? What is the point? A generation... What? Generations are arbitrary. You're a flesh spaceship... On a flying rock around a flyball in infinite space. Shut the fuck up. And that's my thoughts on that. End of the podcast. That's my new outro song. What else am I thinking about this week? Alison's wigs from Pretty Little Liars. If you watched my latest Pretty Little Liars video, you would have seen Alison's obscene wig. It is very high up in the air. It's my new Twitter profile picture and I'm obsessed with it. I really want to talk about Drag Race UK, so let's continue that discourse. So, spoilers from here on out. If you haven't seen the latest season of Drag Race UK and you are sensitive to spoiler information, maybe skip the rest of the podcast and you can just chat next week, okay? So, the winner of Drag Race UK Season 2 was Lawrence Cherney. And you know what? I'm happy for Lawrence. They were fantastic. Like, at the start of the season, they were just demolishing the runway every week. You could just, like... Before Lawrence even came out onto the stage, you just knew that she was about to turn a look. Right? She had that silhouette down. The concepts were there. The makeup was good. And Lawrence was, like, so funny. Which is, like, literally all the things that 
Rue once in a winner, I guess. But then in terms of the editing and the production, I've spoken about this in terms of um, Survivor. I don't know if I spoke about it on the podcast, but I've done it on the main channel before. Um, They really, part of their job is pushing a narrative, right? So they want to keep it interesting and they want people to root for specific people or if someone's going to get eliminated in a couple of weeks, they want to start like putting in things about them being a little bit shit in this challenge or whatever. Or they want it to be like a massive shock. So they just keep hyping them up and then you end up them going home. A horror. But then with Bimini, Bimini after the lockdown was just like demolishing the challenges every week. Four wins in like five challenges or some shit. That's insane. That is like such winner behavior. And then the editing in the last episode was really suggesting that Bimini was going to win. And then Lawrence won. And I can't help but think they kind of set up Lawrence with that because even with the critiques, they all kind of got negative critiques except for Bimini. Maybe she had one really, really small one, but they were like hyping up like she was going to win and that Lawrence was a really good queen but wasn't going to win and then Lawrence won and it's like, you did this for what? Clicks, views and engagement. And the Drag Race fans are insane and probably Lawrence will have to deactivate Twitter and Instagram if they haven't already because people just go send hate continuously. Um, I was actually really happy with the finale in terms of what they did. I personally would have liked to have seen Bimini win based off the edit and what I knew from the runways, but I think Lawrence is a deserving winner as well. Um, in terms of the quality of the season, obsessed. Genuinely one of my favourite seasons of Drag Race. Um, probably my peak at the moment it was season five, but I would say this is definitely up there just in terms of the quality of the contestants, the comedy, the drama, just like the looks. And then if you add in a bloody coronavirus break in the middle of the season, that is so, not to say that the coronavirus is iconic, but that event happening in the middle of this series is iconic, right? And then the Queens themselves, so funny. And they don't seem like they're stuck up. Or if they are stuck up, that's part of their shtick, right? It just seems like they just all seemed very nice. And I generally wanted them all to get to the end. Um, I was happy with the people in the finale. I did really like Ahura, though, because I love fashion queens. And Ahura was consistently turning looks. And she was, like, making her own stuff. And I really applaud that. And it was just amazing the stuff that she was coming down the runway with and I would have loved to have seen her like final look um but I get why they put Ellie into the top four um and the whole like double Shantae thing I don't know if like the double save at top four just to tell Ellie right at the end that she's not in the top three and they're kind of implying that already what was the reason Um, And then in terms of the challenges and everything, it was all super fun. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about each queen and discuss like some of my favorite moments of theirs and their uh, looks that were my favorite. So to start with Ahura, I thought Ahura was super funny. That comedy challenge where she was like being the Essex girl with tea or coffee was fantastic. And like the editing was so dramatic about like Ahura versus Tia and then them working together. That was just fantastic. I love that. 
Um, and then she just consistently served looks. I love all the looks that she did. Um, I especially liked the day at the seaside look, the chips look, which is the episode that we had the ice cream drama and the prehistoric look with the 3D printed mask. Who the hell else is doing that shit? And then the COVID-19 outfit that she made in two days, right? That was iconic. Abs- like absolutely genuinely stunning. Then we've got Estina Mandela. I think she went home way too soon. Like, were they eliminating her for the drama of it? Who was she lip syncing against, though? Tia Coffee? But I did really like Tia Coffee. See, this was the problem with this season, is that they were all just too likable. I was like, somebody do something shady, do something annoying or whatever, so I can root for the other person. But I wanted them all to win. So, what now? Bimini Bon Boulash. If you just think about Bimini being in the bottom two in the first episode and then just coming out swinging after the lockdown and winning four challenges in a row, hello, hello, anyone? I didn't realize how cool Cherry Cherry Valentine was until Brittany Broski kept talking about her. So then I went and researched Cherry Valentine's looks that she was doing after the show. Insane. I would love to see Cherry Valentine on like an all-stars i would love like an all-stars um like international all-stars can you imagine the absolute collapse ellie diamond ellie diamond could beat a face right her makeup was always always on point like there was never like a slight hiccup or anything like that she had it on lock and she's 21 by i'm 25 i'm crusty i'm old i'm literally soil in the ground at this point because i'm decomposing And Ellie is 21 and she's doing all that. Amazing. Her silhouettes, I kind of started getting a little bit bored. It felt like she was doing the same silhouette every runway, but then she did kind of mix it up. And then towards the end, she started doing like bigger dresses and not like thigh high cuts or whatever. Um, But I think she did a really fantastic job. Obviously, if she got to the final four, Ginny Lemon, definition of knowing your brand and sticking to it. Um, I liked Ginny. The walkout, I still don't know how I feel about the walkout. A lot of people are like, it's so iconic. And then a lot of people are like, it's offensive. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know how I feel about it. Because, mm. I mean, if you if you really don't want to do it, then I guess you can leave. But then saying that you didn't get eliminated, I don't know what the tea is there. Joe Black. I feel bad for Joe Black. <laughs> All the promo photos of Joe Black, Joe Black looks so cool. And then the show happened and she got eliminated twice on the first episode twice. That's got to hurt. But that brings us to the ice cream discussion. The day at the seaside look when Joe was dressed as the ice cream. I was obsessed with that. That's so cool. I love a camp outfit that has like little bits everywhere and like an overall theme. I love a themed outfit. And that was the definition of that same episode that we had the I don't want to see no fucking H&M. Iconic. The memes that came out of this season. Oof. So good. Like, absolute excellence. I actually might make a main channel YouTube video talking about the memes and how good this season was. Because I feel like I just need to talk about it more. Um, Lawrence consistently, again, knows her silhouette, knows her makeup has the humor down. It was just very polished from the start, in my opinion. Um, I think the edit played up that Lawrence wasn't a good dancer more than Lawrence 
was what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say I don't think Lawrence was a bad dancer. I just think the edit was trying to make it like, ooh, Lawrence might go home because she can't dance for shit, which is not true and didn't end up happening. But they always need that kind of like, maybe this person's gonna go home. Sister Sister. Sister Sister is one of those ones that had a big switch up after the lockdown in terms of style. And there was like that whole drama with the chips look and how Ahura had her outfit in the corner on the first however many weeks of filming before the lockdown. So there's no chance that Sister Sister wouldn't have seen it. Uh, So when they turned up after lockdown with the same outfit and Sister had changed to the same outfit that Ahura had, it's a little bit suspicious, babes. Um, But then it's not that serious. And people just sending so much hate to Sister Sister and for what? Maybe she didn't see it, you know? People doing the most all the time. I like that, like, mouth thing that sister would do where she would paint it silver with glitter or, like, blue with glitter. Consistently a cool motif to have through her looks. So I appreciate that. Taste? Taste with the face? That runway with the blood. You know the one I'm talking about, where she's wearing red. The outfit... No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Outfit, not great. The face, however, oof. She could lip sync the house. Because, like, she... Oh. Probably one of the best, like, faces in Drag Race ever, right? Surely. She won with just her face in that lip sync. She lip synced four times and made it to the finale. I thought Taste was super funny. Uh, super, like, personable. Uh, wasn't really mean. Like, she was sassy, but I don't think she was mean. Sometimes some of the things that other queens would say were, like, genuinely mean. I don't think Taste ever said anything mean. Um, I liked Taste's style, apart from that, um, the Super Shiro's episode with the, oh my god, the, what's it called? The steel wool look. That was not the moment. That was not it. Oh, God. The, like, underwear section of that. Mm, We have to move on from that. But then in terms of, like, overall looks, what's my favourite Taste look? I just keep thinking back to Taste's face with the blood specks on it singing that song. That was was so good. Of course, um, UK Han also, everyone else in UK Han, fantastic. Love that. The fact that it charted number four on the official UK chart. Absolutely, should have been number one. I wonder if the finale song was going to chart. Probably not. I think I like the original more than the uh, remix with the Queen's verses. The original song, Can You Feel the Love? It just gets me hype. Tear Coffee. Loved Tear Coffee. Super funny. Super charismatic. Definitely like an all-stars contender. Just kept promising that the outfits were going to get better and they just didn't. <laughs> That green look where she was like going down the runway in basically some fabric from Spotlight, which is just like a generic fabric store in Australia. And then she's like doing the arms to distract them. That was iconic. She was generally very funny. I would go to like a tea coffee show. When I'm watching Drag Race, I'm just thinking like, would I go to this person's show? And tea coffee is definitely one of the people that I would 100% go to her show. Even if the looks aren't as polished as other queens, it's not just the looks, right? It's about like the charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent at the end of the day. And then Miss Veronica Green to round out the set. 
She was robbed by the Rona, for sure. I could definitely see her going far. When I think about Drag Race UK Season 2, I think about her in the pig head in the green dress. <laughs> the pig head with the Medusa hair in the green dress. Um, I think she would have gone really far, and they've pretty much confirmed that she's on the next season of Drag Race UK, so I can imagine her doing really well on that. If there was an All-Stars, I'd love to see her on that as well. Um, but yeah, there's honestly no way that I don't see her going very far in season three. So there's that on that overall fantastic season. If you haven't seen it, but you listened to me talk about it for this long, you should definitely go and watch it. It's fantastic. Um, if you did watch it, let me know. You can send me a message on Instagram or comment on the YouTube video. What are your thoughts on the season? The winner? What was your favorite look? Your favorite runway in general? And yeah, so... Lots of talking today in this podcast. I feel like I've spoken so much. Saying a lot of words, but not much value being added, you know? Just a regular day in my life. I think that brings me to the end of everything I want to talk about today. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a like if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Maybe subscribe to the podcast channel. If you're listening to it on a streaming service, feel free to leave me a review or follow the podcast. I love that for us. Thank you all so much for listening. And I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out. Bye.